This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for making this a part of your morning routines as always. Uh, good morning to everybody joining us in the chat box. Uh, what a day to do so. After, of course, England smashed their way uh, to the top of Group B with a 6-2 victory over uh, Iran, uh, and then followed by, of course, a 1-1 draw between the United States and Wales, which has really kind of handed England a massive opportunity, not only, of course, to potentially uh, see their last group game become a bit of a, a dead rubber, if, if of course, uh, results go their way in the second round of fixtures, which would give opportunities to other players to play, like White and Ramsdale, for instance. Um, but obviously, it's a, a very interesting kind of dynamic for the group for who could go into second spot as well. Uh, but good morning to Paul, to Stevie, to Morgie. Good morning uh, to Olu and Anthony and runs with Cows and Stephen, Marcus, Martin, Louis. Good morning, guys. Uh, Louis, good morning to you, Red Star, Carl. Uh, good morning to Lynn. Good morning to Rich. Uh, good morning to Amira. Uh, we've got plenty more of you as well in the chat box joining us. Thank you as always. Uh, for, for continuing uh, to support the channel. Always appreciate the kind words in the chat box and the comment sections as well. Uh, let's get on with today's stories. And we start with the obvious one, with Bakaya Saka scoring twice and starring in his first World Cup start uh, for his country. Absolutely brilliant performance from him, showing everything that's kind of built towards this season. And the performance of Saka and England as a whole, I really, it really kind of gave me that sense of, I feel as though this World Cup in particular and the timing of this World Cup is going to significantly impact the European nations in particular, because most of, if not all of their players still play in Europe and are playing competitively. Of course, you've got players in Argentina and Brazil, of course, who as well have been playing uh, for their competitive sides, mostly in Europe. This could become one of the most high-scoring and competitive tournaments that we've seen because the players aren't exactly fatigued come the end of an entire long season. And instead, they're playing a World Cup where we're seeing a side 
full of players in form, full of players fully ready and focused and off the back of club football. And we could find ourselves seeing a very competitive tournament indeed. I think that's what we saw from the England team yesterday. And despite the the defence certainly still being a bit of a, a question, uh, for me, I think that England's attacking line and the midfield are showing the capabilities to take them far in this tournament. What I would say is that VAR, once again, was the highlight of some controversy. Uh, of course, the the foul on John Stones in the box at the start of the game that was given, the foul on the Iranian player at the end that was given, exactly the same kind of situations for me. I, I can't understand really why one was given as a penalty and the other wasn't. I think consistency, again, comes into question. We talk about the problem with penalties in in the Premier League and we talk about hope for, hoping anyway that the World Cup officiating would be better. Well, you know, unfortunately, in just the second game of the tournament, we've seen consistency become a problem. Not only that, but we're seeing significant lengthy added time onto games. This is apparently a new FIFA directed to try and stop time wasting. Uh, referees, I think, are operating on a stop-start situation on their watches so that it builds up to a more accurate amount of added time at the end of games. I'm very much in favour of this. It means more football. It means less time wasting, being effective. And that's absolutely what we want to see moving forwards for the game is added time more reflective of the minutes that the ball was not on the field and maybe it will deter players and teams and potential, you know, under-the-table tactics, if you like, from holding back the legitimacy of the minutes and the amount of football that is ultimately played in the tournament. So, yeah, there was lots of positive for England, lots of positive for Bakaya Saka in particular, who shone. Uh, Cody Gakpo also shone as Netherlands beat uh, Senegal 2-0 in their opening game. They left it late and rather fortunate towards the end with Cody Gakpo jumping on the end of a cross backwards, which ultimately came off, I think, the back of his head or the back or just his back and passed Edouard Mendy to give them the lead before David Clarsen got another uh, fortunate goal with help from Edouard Mendy again. It is interesting seeing Chelsea suddenly linked with a number of goalkeepers not only did they spend upwards of 70-odd million quid on Kepa Rizabalaga, um, but they spent upwards of an around £30 million then on Eduard Mendy. And yet, just a couple of years later, they might find themselves spending significant money on another goalkeeper once again. And this kind of brings around an Arsenal discussion around the signings, and Gakpo could, of course, be potentially one of those signings in the future. We need to make sure that we're not in a position like Chelsea where we invest heavily in a player like we did with Nicolas Pepe, like Chelsea have with Kepa, like Manchester United have with Jadon Sancho. We need to be sure that the players that we bring in are going to be playing. We need to know that they're going to come in and play uh, a lot of minutes and we know that they are going to fit the system and the style that we want to play. We watched Bellingham have a fantastic game yesterday and if Arsenal were going to try and compete with any of the teams to sign Bellingham next summer... Ultimately, they're going to need to be able to play him every game to be able to get the most of that investment. Now, right now, you look at Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka, you think Jude Bellingham absolutely starts for Arsenal. Can I see Mikel Arteta dropping Granit Xhaka right now, even if we sign Bellingham? There's a part of me that really holds back from the idea of him imagining him being able to drop Xhaka in the form that he's in. Bellingham has to, if you're going to spend that amount of money, start for Arsenal without a shadow of a doubt. But there's always something in the back of my mind that makes me think, would we hold back on a potential massive investment on a central midfielder because of Arteta's desire and, you know, I think uh, legitimacy in starting Xhaka. He's proven that Xhaka can become one of the best midfielders in the Premier League and is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League this season. 
And I think that that is off the back of what we're seeing with someone like him, you know, in that position. So it would be interesting um, if we did indeed spend a lot of money on a midfielder and how many minutes they would get, considering the fact that we've got two starting midfielders that don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, now, Matt Turner's heroics in goal couldn't ultimately shut Wales out. The United States drew 1-1 with Wales in their opening World Cup fixture. Uh, Matty Turner pulled off a fantastic save, as you can see from the image on your screen. And those what are listening on audio will know exactly if they've watched the highlights, the save that we're talking about. But a Gareth Bale penalty ultimately saw the point shared between the two nations in Group B. This sets up a very intriguing possibility where both teams will you would imagine, I would think, have the abilities to beat potentially Iran. We'll have to wait and see, uh, which would lead them both to have four points. And their match against England, the goal difference between the two, would be significant in that fixture. England should have enough to beat both of these sides and top their group. But I thought Matt Turner did them so. I thought Matt Turner, you know, covered himself in, in plenty of glory during this game and had a good opening game of the World Cup and convinced. It's these types of performances and confidence that I want to see when he comes into the Arsenal team. It seems he's very comfortable, very kind of, uh, you know, it, it's it's where he feels he's meant to be in this United States team. And he feels that confidence there. I want to see that same confidence coming into the Arsenal team. And I'm looking forward to seeing that in the future. I think if you came out of that game really focusing on the negatives of his performance, I'd recommend going and looking back at the positives from it. Uh, Arsenal are being linked with US men's national team forward Jesus Ferreira. Now, I have to tell you, I know next to nothing about Jesus Ferreira. I really, I, I just don't know the guy all that much. I know he plays for FC Dallas, 21 years of age. He's done pretty well in the MLS so far as well, which, of course, is a league which has its drawbacks. But 18 goals in 33 MLS games with six assists on top of that shows the quality that he's got. And you think the fact we're being linked with someone like Facundo uh, Torres as well. Ferreira and Torres, we're being linked with these MLS players. We know that we've got more scouts out in the North and South America looking at potential targets. Would it be worth signing like Jesus Ferreira, who, as far as I'm aware, looking at his history, hasn't played all that much in any kind of wide position? Last or last season in the MLS, he played exclusively in that centre-forward position. He's played three games on the left, four games on the right in his entire career, according to transfer marks. So he's not necessarily got that versatility to offer us like a number of other forwards we've been linked to have, uh, and potentially like Facundo Torres, of course, can. Is he someone that Arsenal should be looking to bring in? I think it would be a, a move that would probably give you a big indication about where the club see Eddie Nketiah and potentially even following Balogun's future because he's a young 21-year-old exclusive centre-forward rather than any kind of versatile forward to offer us options in the wide roles unless Arteta and Edu feel as though they've seen a player that could be, I don't know, transitioned into a wider role. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think that he's a very, very good prospect from what the little I know about him um, but I'm sure there are people that have seen plenty more that can give us some education perhaps in the comment section or the comments uh, in the chat box uh, we move forward and uh, I can tell you that Memphis Depay who I believe is our next story there we go sorry Tommy Asu first Memphis Depay comes next uh, Tommy Asu has been doing interviews with the media and he's been talking at length about his kind of position and role in the Arsenal team. He says, my job is all about the defence. After all, you have to stop the winger in front of you. That's the first. And you need to care about your positioning. 
Our team has all the qualities and the players in the front line, and that's the advantage. Then I need to use them simply. Uh, you want to keep the ball and dominate the game, obviously. I think that's what the manager wants us to do. And he continues by saying, there was a bit of disappointment after the game against Southampton dropping points, but we are keeping a good atmosphere in the locker room. Firstly, I need to avoid injury. I really struggled with the injury. My biggest aim is to support the team with my perfect fitness. At the end of the day, I'm nothing but a defender. I want to help my team as a defensive player and keep the clean sheet too. You know that Tommy Asu is a very disciplined, a very kind of um, focused individual. Very, He's very open and honest about what he knows his role in the Arsenal side is. He's a defender. He will play that role and he can play that role very well. The versatility is a big asset to us. And even with him not necessarily starting every single game so far, I think that he's, his versatility is going to be key to us if we want to maintain a strong end to the season. Uh, I did promise you Memphis Depay has been talking about his future and I can give you those quotes. He says, I don't know what will happen after the World Cup. I've recovered from injury and I'm enjoying the World Cup. I don't want to think about the past. I also don't want to think further than this competition. So despite the fact that, of course, he is talking more specifically about his future, what we do know is that he's still not sure about what his future might lie in terms of a potential move in January. Arsenal have been linked, according to Spanish outlets, with the player. He didn't start in yesterday's game for the Netherlands. However, he did come off the bench in that fixture. They started with Janssen and Bergvine up front. It is very interesting seeing Vincent Janssen start uh, for the Netherlands, of course, considering he's a former uh, Tottenham player that moved away. I want to say to, I think he moved to Mexico, did he not? Um, I don't know how he's been getting on in Mexico. I can take a quick look at his stats. I'm curious now. Uh, Nine goals in 17 games in the Belgian league. Oh, did he move back to, he's moved back to Europe with Royal Antwerp. He moved there in July of 2022 from Monterey. So there you go. He's been playing in Belgium has uh, Vincent Janssen. Nine goals and four assists in 17 games uh, so far this season for Royal Antwerp. Very interesting indeed. But he's starting games over Memphis Depay, who I think is certainly a player that for most Arsenal fans will just be kind of pushed to one side and said, nah, not really interested in him. I think his injury record speaks for itself. It's not good. But there is certainly a good player in there. 14 goals in 30 La Liga games for Barcelona is a good return. I think he would provide Arsenal versatility and quality if they were to bring him in. But I do think he is quite far down the list of forwards that I would put uh, in, in my kind of list of forwards that I'd like to see join the club. And our final story of the day, surprise, surprise, Marco Asensio has once again been linked with a move to Arsenal. Now, there is an expectation that his experience and, you know, versatility in the Spanish national team could see him get some minutes playing for Spain. That, though, is still under question. And it was a little bit of a surprise from listening to a number of Spanish reporters uh, before in the build-up to the World Cup that Asensio was even picked for the squad. He's not playing all that much for Real Madrid. He's played 178 minutes of football across nine appearances, scoring once and assisting twice for Real Madrid in La Liga. He's played 248 minutes, so more than his entire La Liga campaign in the Champions League. Six appearances, two goals, one assist. So that's three goals and three assists in just 426 minutes of football. There's no doubt that Asensio has quality. There's no doubt that if he was starting for a team, I think he would score goals and get assists. But he is a player that I think is always going to cast doubt about, one, his fitness because of the knee problem he suffered. And also there's been a bit of questions about his attitude as well. And trust me, this is coming from someone who 
loved Marco Asensio developing and really saw him as a potential player of the future. The knee injury really did hamper his career. If it was to be, I think that there could be kind of a Martin Odegaard style renaissance within Asensio, leaving Real Madrid, going to a club where he is going to play lots of football, I think would certainly help him. But even if he was to move to Arsenal, I don't, he doesn't start for us right now. You know, he doesn't start on the left or right, even though he can play there. He doesn't start over Martin Odegaard. I think he needs to move to another La Liga side, play week in, week out, uh, and ultimately get back to his best. Manu says, come on, Tom, we need to sign at least one of your poster boys for once. I know, we are linked with a number of them that I really enjoy, and it never, ever happens. One of these days, Arsenal will sign a player that I've been coveting for a long, long time. That said, I did want to see Thomas Partey join Arsenal. I did get Thomas Partey in. Martin Odegaard is a player that I've always liked. But yeah, Zoboslai, uh, Marco Asensio, you know, these guys never ended up playing for Arsenal, still haven't. Who knows what the future holds, but Asensio being linked with the club once again. Quite a lot of stories, but it's not going to stop us to go into part two and your questions right after this. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's jump into the chat box and see what you guys are saying. Uh, Marcus says, Asensio, how are? Wow, the battle of TC and Bailey right there. Uh, absolutely would rather see Asensio join than Hussein Awar any day of the week. Dave says, there's 522 of you watching and there's only 55 likes. Go on, people, let's step up those like buttons. Don't be freeloaders. Appreciate the hard work that goes into putting these videos on every single day for you. Do drop a like on the video. Uh, PTM says, Tom, what are your thoughts on the Jude Bellingham links? Any legitimacy to them? Would love to see Gakpo at the club as well. I can see him transitioning to a player down the middle and turning into an Henri 2.0. So can I. I can see him potentially transitioning to the middle. I think I've even written an article about the transition comparisons to uh, Thierry Henri as well. Um in terms of Jude Bellingham's links, I think that Jude Bellingham is a player that I think that Jude Bellingham is a player that is going to be coveted by so many teams. And Arsenal are obviously, I think, one of the teams that are interested. The likelihood, the likelihood of that happening, I think, is very, very small. Uh, I still don't see Arsenal having a massive chance of signing Jude Bellingham. It's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is, unfortunately. Um I, I'm not optimistic about it. I just think that Liverpool and Man City, even with our position in the table, have just put a lot more work in uh, with with potentially signing Jude Bellingham. I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see Jude Bellingham end up at Arsenal. I just can't quite see it right now. Uh, Virai says, do you think Gakpo is more versatile given his aerial ability as compared to Mudrik? Uh, yeah, I think that he offers you 
a lot more avenues, but I think that Mudrick's ceiling is potentially higher. I think both players are great. I'd love to sign either one of them. I, I don't think I could really choose between them, um, but I, for one, uh, think that both have been, you know, very, very good and would be both very good signings for Arsenal. Amira says he's missing the NordVPN segues already. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they were very enjoyable whilst we had them, to be fair. Uh, maybe they'll come back someday in the future. We'll have to wait and see. Um, let's go to uh, Abdul, who loves a capital letter, says, Tom, I feel like we need a game changer, someone who can change the tempo off the bench for us or even start. Having the prospect of BS7 and GM11, uh, Saka and Martinelli off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I absolutely think that we need to be looking to try and bring someone in that brings you the same level of quality as those two. Very difficult, especially to try and convince them to come in and play in rotation. But Arsenal need to find their Jack Grealishes. Arsenal need to find their Riyad Mahrez's. You know, players that aren't necessarily starting week in, week out for City, but could very comfortably and still win them leagues. We need to find ourselves those players because we need to show that we can be a side that... Maybe you don't play every week, but it's worth being at because the minutes you do play are good and the potential trophies and championships you can win is high. That's that's what we need to convince players to be able to see. Um, Olu says, hey, Tom, tough one for you. 60 million for Rice, contract expiring, or 100 million on Bellingham? Good question. It's asking what I think we need more. Do we need the Thomas Partey competitor or do we need the Granite Xhaka competitor or replacement as what Jude Bellingham would be? I think you sign Bellingham because I think Bellingham, even at £40 million extra, is a younger than Rice and gives you a you know a longer period for your investment. I think also that he actually starts for us, whereas I don't think Rice necessarily starts for us straight away. So I think that the, the smart choice for the team is Bellingham, even though the investment is £40 million more. I don't see Arsenal doing that, um, but I think it certainly is an absolutely a fair question. Uh, Matt G says, who will be the James Rodriguez of this World Cup? Love that. Trying to predict who might be the standout player from this competition. I always need to remind myself of the nations that are there. So let's take a quick look at the tables um, to see who could be the standout. From the Netherlands, you know, uh, James Rodriguez, like Gakpo, was known before the World Cup. You know, he'd been bought... Uh, he'd, he'd been at Porto, he'd been signed in Monaco's spending spree uh, and then signed for Real Madrid. So he was already very well known, James Rodriguez. So I think that Gakpo is a fair answer in comparison. We're still, you know, ripping up trees in Portugal and France. Going down the groups, um, I think the US squad could see some in it, some players really kind of, I mean, Timothy Weyer, of course, uh, I think he's currently at Lille in France. He, for one, could be a player that people look to. Uh, going down Poland, who knows? You might see someone like Zielinski. I know he's done brilliantly in Napoli, very well known already. He could have a fantastic World Cup and someone like Real Madrid or Barca could come in and try and steal him away. I can see him ended up at someone like Bayern, potentially. Uh, Denmark, Jesper Lindstrom, of course, who's already been linked to Arsenal. Maybe he's one that could come through and surprise people as well. Japan, I really like Mitama from Brighton. Maybe he's someone that will really kind of jump onto the scene and steal the minds away from people. For Spain, there could be players like Ferran Torres, who's not had the most amazing time at Barca recently, but could bring his top game to the elite level. Maybe we see someone like him. Canada, Jonathan David, of course, always worth a shout as well. Belgium have got some interesting young players, even though the kind of golden generation is coming to a bit of an end at this stage. Uh, and Serbia's forwards, always one to keep an eye on. Milinkovic Savic in the attacking midfielder, very well known, of course, too. But if he has a brilliant World Cup, maybe that tips over the likes of Real Madrid and Arsenal to finally 
finally go for someone like him. And South Korea, beyond Hume Son, I think there's some interesting players in that South Korean side that could catch the eye of people as well. So I think there's plenty of talent at this World Cup that teams will certainly be looking out for. Uh, ben says, I never hear people talk about the personality of players. This is so important with the squad who has such great bonds. When researching players, do you consider this? Um, as a, you know, I'm not an official scout, Ben, at the end of the day, but I do know scouts and I do know that scouts are looking at personalities of players. Uh, a friend of mine who works in Switzerland as a scout goes to training sessions as well as just games. He watches the open training sessions when they're available, watches the players' personality, watches how they work with their teammates. And I'm sure that's something that Arsenal will be doing as well. So absolutely. And I do care personally about personality. And you probably see me talk about that with certain players. And attitude is really important. It's why I was never really keen on signing someone like Ivan Tony. I'm not a particularly big fan of his personality, as I have discussed on the channel. And then this betting thing came out recently as well, which kind of legitimized that even further. So yeah, I do look into potential personalities of players when that's available. But I still do kind of lean towards footballing ability as a primary and then the personality side is a bit of a secondary. But it is still a factor that's very important when looking at players. And I know that it is for scouts, and certainly it will be then for, for Arsenal. Um, <laughs> unicorn questions about Saka are always great. Uh, Constantine says, hi, Tom, what's your highest price for Mudrick? Probably 60. 60, I think, is my highest price for Mudrick. But whatever we pay, if we get him, I'm going to be very happy at the end of the day. Um, let's go to Iquan, who says, Tom, why do we want Balogun? Isn't, uh, sorry, why do we want Gakpo? Isn't Balogun a player of a similar profile? No, not, not really. Uh, Balogun is more of a specialised striker. I know that Balogun can and has played in a wider role, but I think Balogun's goal scoring is different and style is different. He's more of a finisher to me um, than what Gakpo is. Gakpo, I think, is a player that can drive the ball towards the goal. Yes, I know that Balogun can be good on the ball as well, but I think that Gakpo and Balogun, there are differences in their game. And I think that having both in the squad would be really, really important as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think that both of them are definitely uh, workable into a squad for next season or maybe even from January onwards in the case of Gakpo. Um, Chris McFarlane says, have any potential window loan signings been mentioned anywhere? We seem like, uh, we seem to like them and could be a less risky option than spending big. Um, in terms of loan signings, I haven't seen any links to anyone that we might sign on loan. I think Memphis Depay is probably the most obvious one that could be brought in on loan. Maybe if Barca are open to that kind of deal, they might not be but they might want to see him go on loan, get some big minutes and then go for a big price in the summer. I don't know when Depay's contract with Barcelona runs out. Let's do a quick search on that and find out when his contract indeed does run out because it's always a good indicator of how much a player's worth. His contract runs out in 2023. Wow. So actually, if you're going to sign him in January, it's probably going to be for a cheap price uh, before his contract expires in the summer. Could be a very cheap option for Arsenal. A loan, therefore, seems unlikely. Uh, Oki says, Tom, regarding the Bellingham versus Rice debate, would it not make more sense to pick up Rice, seeing as he can play eight and six, whereas Bellingham isn't suited to the six? Two birds, one stone. I personally haven't seen Rice play the number eight role that much. I always see him playing deep. I always see him playing as the deepest midfielder. I haven't seen him play eight. So I can't legitimise that claim personally because for me, he's only really played in that deep role. I think that Bellingham is a player that starts for us immediately. Rice, for me, isn't. I think Partey is better than him in that number six role. Personally, I wouldn't start Rice over Partey, unless, obviously, you've got an option to rotate them, and the comp competition is key. 
But for me, I bring Bellingham in because I think he starts for Arsenal and upgrades the starting eleven. Whereas, while certainly Rice strengthens the starting eleven, would compete and eventually replace Partey, I don't think immediately he has that same impact that what Bellingham does. Uh, let's go to uh, Mohammed says hi Tom. Chelsea will bring in Kunku, who is a top player. Uh, we want Endrick also, so Arsenal must act clinical and ambitious in attracting top players. I think you've mentioned Endrick before, Mohammed. Uh, look, we need to be signing top players. I don't think that's in doubt at all. And we are being linked to some very big players as well. So I don't think that should be a surprise. And Endrick, every club wants him. Uh, he could end up going anywhere. Uh, Manu says, could Xhaka become a modern-day Arsenal legend after his little hiccup if we make a real effort for the league this year? Maybe we could do a bit of a poll. For Xhaka to become a legend at Arsenal, I think we would need to win the Premier League with him starting every game. And I think we would need to go on and establish ourselves as a top club in the Premier League with him continuing to start and be in that team. Can he become a modern-day legend? Absolutely. And I think any player has the capabilities of becoming a modern-day legend for Arsenal if you win. For me, the closest thing to a modern-day Arsenal legend that there is, there's two options for me. One is Aaron Ramsey. And I know that does divides because people don't really like comparing Aaron Ramsey to the Thierry Henrys and the Charlie Georges and, you know, the, the, the players of our past. And putting Aaron Ramsey on that pedestal with those players, I know, is a very difficult thing. And that's why I don't do it. I don't put my, I don't put them on that pedestal. What I do is, is I look at what they did for the club. And Aaron Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey is one of the most single-handedly responsible people for that two FA Cups that we won with his goals against Hull and Chelsea. And those two goals and, the you know, how many games he played for Arsenal means for me he's one of the closest things to a modern-day legend. The other is Santi Cazorla. I love Santi Cazorla. I loved his passion, his commitment, his involvement in Arsenal's World Cup winning, uh, World Cup winning? FA Cup winning, sorry, um, seasons. And the FA Cups that he contributed to and what he contributed to across his career at Arsenal, for me, makes him a bit of a modern-day legend at Arsenal. But beyond that, you know, those two are really my key ones. Ozil and Alexis Sanchez are probably two of the best players we've had in the modern era. I struggle to call them legends because of their exits and their ends at their time at the club. That really, really does make me... I, I struggle with those two being called legends. But uh, Ramsey and Santi are my two that I usually lean towards. Could Xhaka become a legend? It's a big, big ask. And I think for some people, he never, ever, ever will still ever recover from what happened. That's down to them. That's personal. That's down to you. And that's how you view things. Also, legendary status is personal. Don't let anyone ever tell you that someone is not a legend. For me, Alexis Sanchez and Ozil aren't in my mind. But if they are for you, that's fine. It's subjective. Legendary status is not something that's awarded to someone legitimately or you know through some official channel legendary status is personal to you. you. You might think that a player is a legend that I don't. You might think Alexis is a legend at the club. That's fine. You know, that's your thing. But don't go around saying, he's not a legend, he's not a legend. It's, it's subjective. It's completely, there's no definition for the word legend at a football club. There just isn't one. So if you think someone's a legend, if you think, as Dave says, it gets thrown around too easily, that's absolutely fine. You know, that's absolutely fine. It's down to you who is a legend at a football club of yours that you support, it's down to you. I'm sure you can have debates and arguments about it very comfortably, but I think it's subjective and it's down to you ultimately. So if you think Xhaka can become a legend at the club and might even in the future, fine. That's down to you. That's a personal opinion. and I have no problem with that at all. Um, 
Carl says, Charlie George, you're too young, Tom. That's my era. I sat next to an, a fan at a cup match who didn't even know who Ray Parler was, an adult fan. Look, I think it's always been a bit of um, a, a responsibility, I think, of, of an Arsenal fan to go back and look at, over our history and see the legends of the, the year has gone by, you know, learn about Herbert Chapman and what he did to Arsenal and how he, you know, raised Arsenal with the mentality of becoming the best club in the world. You know, it's important. If you don't do that, I think you're missing part of your fandom. I think you're missing out. Am I saying you're not a fan if you don't go back and do that? No, of course not. Fandom, again, is a subjective terminology. I think for me, it's important that you do that that you go back and look back on things and try and learn a bit about Arsenal's history. The more you learn, the more I think that you integrate yourself in with the club. Um, and so, yeah, it's certainly worth looking back and looking at players. And I, I say Charlie George because, of course, the things that he did in relation to kind of the similarities with Ramsey in a way. That's why I bring him up. Um, let's go to uh, Nate who says, where is Saka in the World Cup top scorers list? He's top, isn't he? Must be top. Surely, surely he must be top of the... Uh, uh, with with Enna Valencia, of course, yeah, he's joining Enna Valencia at the top of the scoring charts in the uh, in the World Cup. But he hasn't, does he have an assist as well? So we'll wait and see. <laughs> Mister SNLO says, "Tom, you're wrong. You are the legend." I appreciate the kind words, my friend, but I can assure you, legendary status is not something I associate myself with. Um, the eight AM legend, indeed, Marcus. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'll be back. Probably tomorrow morning. I'm trying to think I was doing anything later on today. I don't think... Oh, I might be, but not here. I might be joining Sophie on her channel to talk about some of the issues surrounding the World Cup. I think I saw a couple of questions about the issues around the World Cup. Uh, I think I'm going to be joining... Um, I'm going to be joining uh, Sophie later on today to have a bit of a chat about that uh, because I have been quite outspoken and active on social media talking about it myself. Um, it's a topic I am very passionate about. Um, and I think speaking to Sophie about this type of thing is important. I have to say, you know, I thought Alex Scott yesterday, very, very brave. Um, and yeah, I, I fair play to her. Fair play to her for doing what she did. Anyway, thank you so much to everybody that tuned in this morning. Really appreciate your time. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. I will see you uh the here probably tomorrow morning uh potentially later on on sophie's channel as well have a great day and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.